Thank you, Jesus. Whew. Well, I want to say, I, I have never, ever, I, and I've been in ministry quite a few years. Matter of fact, I got depressed the first night because Penny told us her age, and I'm sitting there thinking, how old was I when she was born? And I'm thinking, I was, I was 26 years old, and I thought, I could be her mother. <laughs> and I got all depressed. <laughs> I mean, age don't mean nothing to me, but, but just to compare that, I mean, that was, that was eye-opener. Of course, you know, I don't look as old as I am. You don't look as old as you are, so really. But anyway, she gave me the topic of uh, loving your church well, and I, I am not kidding you. Anybody that knows me knows that I love to study God's Word. I love the Greek. I love the Hebrew. When I sit down to study, I could, I could sit there for four five, six hours. I just, I lose track of time. But I have never studied this subject, how to love the church well. So I was on my face a lot, you know, just praying to God saying, you're going to have to help me because I'm not sure, you know, how to present this to it. Well, after I got into it and got to studying it and everything, I thought the church needs to hear this message. I'm, t- I'm not kidding you. I've never been so stirred up in my, in my spirit as I was when I studied this message. And I said, God, help us. Help us to love our church well. Help us to be daughters that go home and just live the way God wants us to live. But anyway, I thought there's no better way of starting out it, it, but to just share with you Ephesians 1.16, and I'm going to read it to you out of the Passion. It talks about his church. We need to know what he says about his church before we can understand how we can love his church. So Ephesians 4.16 out of the Passion, it says, For his body has been formed in his image. Ladies, we are formed. The church is formed in his image. I mean, stop and think about that. And is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. So it's not Livingstone, the river, or, you know, all the other names that we have. We're all one. Worshiping God together, being the church, making a difference in our culture. So, and every member has been given divine gifts Everyone in the church has a gift. I don't care who you are. I don't care how old you are. A lot of people start using their age as an excuse. And I said, it's just an excuse. Until God calls you home, you're expected to share your gifts with the body of Christ. And so uh, the gifts to contribute to the growth of all, all, all in the church. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and we're made perfect. He's coming back for a perfect church. And I want to be a part of that. Don't you? I want to be a part of it. So we need to learn how to love the church well. Jesus said all the blemishes in his church he sees. He sees all our blemishes, all our weaknesses, all our frailties, but he still loves us. That's the good news. He still loves us in spite of our blemishes. It is imperative, though, that we know there are people in every church with blemishes. So you think you, you get upset with somebody and you get offended and you leave this church and you want to run to another church 
But guess what? There's going to be blemishes in that church because you just ran from your church over to that church. <laughs> I say, I'm like Paul. Don't jump ship when things aren't going smoothly. If God calls you to move, it's going to be when everything's going great and you don't want to move. That's when, that's when you can leave and know that God is with you. But when you get offended and you think, well, I'm just going to move on down the road, that, you're, you're in big trouble with the Lord because it's his church, it's his body. And so God wants us to love his church. He wants us to love the church. I mean, really, truly love his church. God designed the church to reflect the Godhead, to reflect the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They work together in unity and love for each other. Now, can you imagine that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit start yapping back behind someone's back about each other? Can you imagine that? Well, we wouldn't even have a church. If they, couldn't, if they couldn't be in unity, there would be no church. God showed me that yesterday, and I was, uh, I'm always telling him, boy, you're smart. You're just so smart. <laughs> because I, it, cause he said, you know, that's what they need to realize. We cannot talk about our brothers or sisters in the Lord. We can't talk about a pastor down the street because they're doing what they know to do. We're doing what we know to do. We just are called to love one another. Hallelujah. They work together in unity and they love each other. God's saying to you and I today, work together in your church in unity and love one another. And let me just say this, ladies. You know, if someone comes up to you and wants to speak negative, you tell them you're no crash can. And I tell you, it will stop that. It will stop them from being able to puke all over you. That's what I call it, just vomiting all over you. So, you know, I kind of, I'm kind of blunt, so <laughs> in case you didn't know. But I love you. <laughs> so I heard a pastor once say, you can say anything you want to to people as long as you've got a big smile on your face. And he said, so you just go up to the unsaved and said, you're going to hell. <laughs> so God cares about how we treat his bride. Because the church is reflect the Godhead. Several years ago, I'll never forget it as long as I live, God said, be careful how you treat my people. He is watching us, ladies. He's watching each and every one of us. How do you treat each other? Are you getting uh, over to the side and saying, well, sister so-and-so, she did this or she did that. that? God doesn't look kindly on that kind of an attitude. He just doesn't look kindly on it. Now, let's, I want to talk to you today about five ways to love his, I, I said his church, because it is his church. Um, but there's plenty, that's not an exhaustive list. I only took five because I only got 30 minutes. You know, I mean, I could have taken five hours. I could have done a series. Believe me, I've been doing that much study. But anyway, let's talk about the first one. Pursue godliness. That's the number one thing on how to love your church well. How many pastors in here 
love it when they see their people grabbing a hold of the word of God and walking in it. I mean, there's not a better, I, told, I tell our people all the time, you don't have to honor us. All you have to do is obey God's word and walk in it. And that is the best blessing you could ever give us. It's the best blessing. Well, that's what you, we do for the Father. That is the best blessing you can give your heavenly Father is to walk together in love for one another, in godliness. As we become more loving, we become more like God because he is a God of love. How many times have we heard that with this weekend? So we must flee sin, not have sin in any part of us, leave unrighteousness behind, seek the Holy Spirit's help to become more and more godly in our words, in our thoughts, and in our conduct. You know, you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? Your actions will speak louder than your words, let me tell you. And people are watching your life. When you say, I'm a Christian, they are watching your life. And they want to see what God is like. And if you're backbiting your pastor or a leader or people in your church, who would want to be a part of that? Stay in the world. That's the conduct of the world. That's the way the world is. They devour one another. And God wants us to love one another and be in unity together. 1 John 4, 8, and this is also out of the Passion. It says, the one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. So he's saying, you don't even know him unless you love. You don't even know him. And so if you have a hard time loving, you need to get on your hands and knees and say, God, I need more of your love. And let me tell you something, ladies, as you draw closer to him, you're going to feel the love of God start to come up in you. You might be a, like I was raised in a children's home. I didn't know what love was. I mean, he had to teach me from ground one on up. But God, the closer I drew to God, the more I loved his people, the more I loved his church, the more I loved my leaders. I'm, I'm telling you. And you know what? If you think that uh, pastors are perfect, oh, my goodness, wake up. I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to give you a clue. We're not. We're not perfect. But boy, we sure are striving for it. You can't do for others what you do not possess. If you do not possess God's word and are living a godly life, you cannot do anything for other people. But the more you, the more you get into his word and what he's doing, the more you're going to see God use you to touch lives. It's amazing. Or you can't love the church if you don't know he has his word in your heart. You have to have his word. That is his love letter to us. His word being hid in our heart. Number two. And this is a passion of mine. Pray. One of the most loving things that we can do for each other as a church family is to pray for one another. We, uh, the NRP put out pictures of all the pastor's wives. And I, we need a new one, by the way. But I, but I kept mine up on my bulletin board. And so when I get up in the mornings to pray, I pray for those pastor's wives. Because I can relate. I know what they're going through. You know, you, 
you give your heart, you give your life for people, and sometimes they just, they, they just, they're mean. Sometimes we got mean people in our church. But, so we need each other. We need that prayer. You need to pray for one another. And so if God brings people up in your church that's on your heart, please obey and pray for them because they need those prayers. They can't, we can't do this alone. That's why God created the church. We need each other. We need one another. So great love can be shown not by merely saying, I'll pray for you. How many of you have ever done that? I'll pray for you. And then you walk away and you don't pray for them. Or don't be like Angela Shaw. <laughs> I'm telling you what, she has, that, that girl can crack me up. I said to her yesterday, honey, I'm praying for you tomorrow. You're going to do a great job. She said, well, good. I'm not praying for you. <laughs> I tell you what, I thought that was the funniest thing. <laughs> I went to bed and I thought, well, that's one that ain't going to be praying for me. <laughs> uh, but by putting our hands on someone, you know, if someone says, I need prayer, or if you know somebody needs prayer, don't wait. Just go up and put your hands on them and begin to pray. I don't care if you're in a grocery store. I don't care where it's at. If God's laying it on your heart to pray for somebody, pray for them. We're to walk around with holy boldness. Not be fearful. Not be fearful, but just step out in boldness and watch God move. Hallelujah. I love him. I love serving him, don't you? Okay, Acts 12, 5. And I'm reading this out of the Amplified. It says, so Peter was kept in prison... But fervent prayer for him was persistently made to God by the church. So we, that's a sign that we need to be praying for our pastors, our leaders, and the people in our church. We need to be covering them every day in prayer. I, I love to go into our sanctuary and I just walk the aisles and touch the, touch the seats because I know there's people in those seats that God loves. And, and if the seat's empty, then I know that God's going to bring somebody in that's going to need that prayer. So I just pray over the, over the empty seats. Thank you, Jesus. You will always draw close to those you pray for. You know, have you ever noticed that if you uh, get offended or have unforgiveness in your heart, that God always will say to you, you need to pray for them. And I'll be honest with you. When I, when I have to do that, it, it ain't, it's not good. I mean, I go, oh, Lord, you know, just touch him. You know, it's, it's ha- half-hearted prayer. But I'm thinking, I'm obeying him. <laughs> but it's a half-hearted prayer. But I'm telling you to keep on doing it, and you know what's going to happen? You're going to start to get a love for that person, and it's going to lift from you all that for, um, forgiveness that you had in you, all the offense. It's going to lift from you. That's the easiest way. You want to know how to get uh, uh, unforgiveness out of your life? That's how you get it out of your life. You pray it out. Yes. Hallelujah. Okay, uh, number three. Forgive. Hallelujah. I see that so much in the church. That people get offended and they want to, they just, they don't like somebody. Isn't that sad? They'll come in and sit on the other side of the church because they don't want to be next to somebody. You got a problem if you're doing that. If you can't face somebody that has hurt you, it's not them, it's you. You got the problem. It's like, it's like we drink a glass of arsenic, but expecting them to be hurt by it. <laughs> because it doesn't affect them. It affects you. 
That's who it affects. So we need to forgive. People who are looking for a conflict-free life is not going to find it. Because the Bible tells us we're going to have conflict. We are going to have conflict in this world, it, when we're, especially when we're following Christ, because the devil hates us. In fact, there are many verses warning us to expect the bumps and bruises as we live out our life as a Christian. However, the one thing we cannot do is bail on each other just because we had a disagreement. I always say, don't jump ship. Stay in the ship. You know, when Paul told them on the, to stay in the ship and they would be spared, God is saying that to you and I. He is saying, stay in the ship where I have placed you. When things aren't going the way you think they should go, don't bail. Don't jump ship, but stay right there in it. Because I'll tell you what, you can't grow if you're constantly leaving a church and going to another church. You'll never, ever grow. I once, I once, um, I wanted to see, it says, unless you're planted in the house of the Lord, you'll not flourish. Do you know that if you, I went to a, a, a flower place and I asked them, how many times can I transplant a plant and it survive? And they said mostly two times. The third time, a chance it might survive and then it might not. I feel like that's the way it is with the church. When you start going to one church and then another church and then another church, you're going to die. You're going to sit there and die in your seat. You have got to face the enemy. You've got to face his tricks. And you've got to love your people in spite of being in disagreement with them. Amen? Amen. Amen. Did you know that whenever we complain about one another or anything, for that matter, do you know that we're praising the devil? When we talk good about each other and love on each other, we're praising God. We're giving him glory. He's seeing a glorious church when we're willing to do that. And it's not easy. I'm not going to say it's an easy thing, ladies, because it isn't. But I know it's possible. It's a possible thing. I've had it happen over and over and over. We get hurt all the time. But God's saying it, that those hurts, he's came to heal. Those hurts he's came to touch. And there's no, other, there's no other human being on this earth that loves you more than your heavenly father. So, you know, I just thought there, there would be no church if the father and the son and the Holy Spirit treated each other the way we treat each other in the church. And we have to be so careful to be in unity. You want to see your church grow? You want to love your church well? Then follow these five things that I'm giving you today. I really feel like this message, God set it up. I do. I feel like he set it up. Do you know that whenever we, oh, I already told you that. God hates it when we do this because we are complaining about his church. We're complaining about his bride. So when we're murmuring and complaining, we're not talking about the leader. We're not talking about the pastors. We're talking about God's bride. And he's offended by that. He takes offense. He loves his bride. He gave his only son to die on the cross that that church would be strong in these last days and change the culture that's in, our, in, in this world. We are called to change the culture. I got news for you. The church has started 
the church, thank you so much, sir. The church has started uh, to cause the culture to allow to change them. But we were not called for the culture to change us. We're put on this earth that we are to change the culture. How do we do that? By loving the church well. And God will see the love we have for one another, and it will draw people in. Because today's culture, you know, they want to fight. They don't like each other. They hate each other. They don't like the way God made them. Oh, it just, the, the thing just goes on and on and on. But in God's house, it's completely different. It's a different kingdom. Number four, encourage. Now, if there's anybody that's ever been an example of encouragement, it's Penny Ducey. I'm not kidding you. She isn't, well, she's rebuked me too, but. But, <laughs> but I, you know, she loves me, so I take it. But she is an encourager. I probably wouldn't even be here standing up here doing this if it hadn't have been for her just encouraging me. Because I, and you know what was so funny, Penny, was when you said the other night, you know, you stop thinking that everybody, every speaker is better than you are. And I always think that. I always think, man, they've got such good speakers in that NRP. These women are so good. And so I told uh, Natalie Paladin, I said, and then she dared me, so I've got to share it. Uh, but I said, I'm going to get up there and tell Penny, I'm, I'm glad you picked me because I'm the best speaker here this year. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But anyway, it's so encouraged. In this fallen world, trials and hardships are all too frequent. The trials and the hardships, we all need each other. God has put us together as a church family to love one another so that we can encourage each other as we face this difficulty. We're not in it alone. Ladies, we're not in it alone. We got the church. I mean, the church is your biggest cheerleader. They're cheering for you. They want you to succeed. They want you to be everything God's called you to be. They want you to fulfill your purpose. They don't want you to take that purpose to the grave. They want you to fill it because God put it in, in you a purpose. Every one of us, not just a few of us, but every one of you, God placed a purpose in you before you was even formed in your mother's womb. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to go to the grave and leave in anything not deposited in this earth. Amen, because I want to bring glory to my heavenly Father. So if I've ever learned anything over the years, it's how to be, how to be an encourager. And it's been just by listening to Penny talk. She has taught me how to be an encourager. Um, in her book that she wrote, she, she made this statement, it's easy to get caught up in our own struggles and think that we don't have anything to give. Now, how many of you felt like that? I just don't have anything to give. It's easy to get to that place. But she said, when we are looking for opportunities to encourage another person, we will certainly find them. But the question is, are you looking? I, I'm going to challenge you to, when you get up in the morning and the next morning and the next morning, Ask God to show you somebody that you can encourage. Don't ever come to church and not leave 
but, and, and not encourage somebody to keep on going, that you're rooting for them, you're behind them, you want to see them succeed. So you can do this in so many ways. It doesn't have to be words. Like I love to send out cards for no reason at all or send out a text to just say, I've had you on my heart this morning and I just want you to know I love you and I'm behind you and I'm praying for you. You'd be surprised what, you, what, what that does for people because they think, wow, out of that, their schedule, they thought of me. I mean, it does something to them. And I love getting cards. They just don't hardly do that anymore because postage has gone up so high. But I think, I think what a precious, precious way to encourage a brother or, sis, or sister in the Lord is through just sending them a card saying, I'm thinking of you and I love you. And it just will lift their spirits up. It almost like it gives them a, an energy to keep on going for Jesus, no matter what they're going through. So I encourage you to, to just share that and do those kind of things. 1 Thessalonians 5.11a says, and the Passion Bible says, encourage the hearts of your fellow believers and support one another. We don't have to be in total agreement. We're not going to, I'll be honest with you, we're not going to be in total agreement. And neither, you know, in our little families, there's always disagreement. You mean the kids think you're mean, Pat, mom and dad or whatever. There's always disagreement, but that you still love them. You would never turn your back on them or you'd never say, you'd never say, that's it. That's it. I don't want anything more to do with you. No, you still love them. And that's why God expects us to treat each other. We love each other with everything that's within us. And the last thing, number five, is show honor. I felt like this was so important because in today's culture, there's no respect, there's no honor. I mean, it's like it's been stripped. But God's church needs to be different. We need, we're not like the world. We're not like the world. We are like the kingdom of God. That's what we're representing. We're representing his church, his bride. And so we have to do it well. In American culture, honor and respect is not a norm. In fact, a good argument could be made that our culture actually encourages dishonor and disrespect. Have we ever seen that in the last few years? But it should never be in the house of God. Never. God's children should always be speaking words of honor where honor is due. For a job well done, for a particular servant-hearted act, for longevity in faith, the leaders in the church, etc. We need to honor them and we need to respect one another. I'm a firm believer in honoring, you know, like our overseers. When they come in, I'm telling you, I pull out the red carpet. I think, I think that God is pleased with us. He brings in good people to us. But I think it's because we have trained our people. We honor the men and women of God that God brings into this house. And we need to honor. We need to respect them. Because they're leading us. We need to pray for them because they're leading us. Hallelujah. So Romans 12.10 out of the Amplified Bible says, Love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family, giving precedence and showing honor to one another. Now, can I just challenge you? 
please don't talk about the pastor down the road. I mean, they, he might not be preaching what you think's right, but that's not any of your business. That's God's. And I just think that we put ourselves in a very vulnerable place when we start talking about men of God or women of God that is, might not be in our body because we're all different. That's why he chose you to be in living stones. He knew that you could flourish, you could grow, you could impart, you could be a part of it. He knew your personalities. That's why he placed you here. He didn't place you in that church down the road, so it's none of your business how they lead their people. It's only what you do here or in your local church. This certainly is an uh, exhausting list of how to love your church well. I thought about finances. You know, if you say you love your church, give of your finances. Give abundantly of your finances. God wants you to look at your checkbook and see if you've spent more money going out to eat or more money on clothes or boots or whatever than you do giving into his kingdom and for his cause. That's the greatest way to love your church. And the other one is uh, that I'm not going to expound on. I'm just sharing with you that he gave me was giving of your service. I tell my people all the time, you cannot grow if you don't serve. I see people come into the church, they sit in the pew, and you can't get them to serve. And they're the same 10 years down the road, they're the same as they were. So you have to serve. You have to serve in your local church because that's all a part of growth. That's what rubs us together. That's what creates the diamond that we can shine for Jesus is because our personalities are all different. But we got to learn to work with each other, to love each other in spite of our different, different personalities. But if you do these five things... I want to just say to you, if you do these, just these five things that I gave you today, you will definitely start loving your church well. And then you're going to see God's blessing begin to fall on you and, to be able, and begin to fall in your church because you're loving his bride, you're loving his church well, and he will bless you for it. Amen? Let's stand. Aren't you, aren't you proud of me, Penny? <laughs> I'm just, I just want to say to you guys, I really believe this message, this uh, loving your church well, is for each and every one of us. We need to hear this. We need to hear this because it's so important to your spiritual walk with the Lord and how far you're going to go with the Lord. It's important to him. So I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to pray over you. Let's just do it like that. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to put a seal upon these ladies that are here today. Put a seal, Father, that they can love their church well. I pray, God, that when they begin to speak negative, that they'll think, Father, ooh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to praise the devil. I want to praise God. And they'll turn around from speaking negative and start to speak positive. Father, I just thank you and praise you that the Holy Spirit brings conviction on us. And I thank you for that conviction, Father, because that's how we grow. That's how we develop. That's how we move forward is by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I just pray that these ladies, Father, will love you so much 
that they will obey your word and do what it is you tell them to do. Father, I thank you and I praise you for everything that you've done during this conference. You've been amazing. Your presence has showed up at every speaker. You've just been amazing, Father, and we love you. Our, your daughters just love you and praise you in this house today in Jesus' name.